Welcome to the official podcast of the Justice League. This is WrestleMania. I'm one of the hosts, Peter, and uh, we have a very special guest on this week. I'm going to let my brother Chris uh, let you know who is featured on this week's episode. Oh, drum roll, please. Uh, this week we are joined by the much anticipated, well renowned Lee Side legend, coast to coast. Uh, he's known as the manager who makes the most trades. And We've got a, a great week and an awesome matchup of his to recap. Uh, Scott, you always got lots of hot takes, and I'm excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we are um, recording this Sunday night, fresh off of a, a tough Leafs loss, but uh, there were some silver linings uh, in that game. But, uh, Scott, I, I guess we can go there first. Um, you're obviously a huge Leafs fan, and you have several on your team. Um, is that a, uh, a, a strategy of yours to try to grab Leafs or just happen to be the, the best players available? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely my favorite team. So having Leafs on your team when you're watching the games and they score, it always makes it extra exciting because you know that you're getting some fancy points here and there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's hit or miss because if, if you load up on one team and they have a rough week, you're not really getting the stats you were hoping for. So having a wide range of players from a bunch of different teams, definitely more of the conservative strategy. But if you load up on a team and they uh, are a high-powered offense like the Leafs can be, <laughs> yeah. and they just weren't tonight, then uh, it can definitely work in your favor. You definitely picked the right year to load up on Leafs, for sure. Unfortunately, oh, I don't have a Matthews or a Marner, but Hyman and Nylander and Hall have been relatively consistent for me this year so those guys will be on your uh, trade list uh, maybe uh, send some offers try to get them and unfortunately the Leafs do not play until Friday so ooh, I'm not gonna ooh. have as many Leafs starts this week so uh, there'll be some uh, some moves this week for sure <laughs> whoever gets to play Scott next week is uh, maybe getting a nice nice break then well, um, Scott, like, let's get right into it in terms of fantasy. Is Justice League your only love, or are you in a bunch of other leagues, other sports? How does that work for you? So I'm in four Yahoo Hockey Leagues, one of them being a tennis league with a bunch of tennis pros from various clubs around the city. Um, obviously, the Justin Le Justice League is very important to me. Uh, the third league and fourth league is a Humber Sports Management League. So a bunch of the guys I went to school with at Humber and Sports Management, we got two leagues. One is total points for the whole year. Right. And the other one is like ours, weekly head-to-head -head matchups. So oh, it's, nice. it's nice having the best of both worlds, for sure. Because the thing with weekly head-to-head -head matchups, 
and total points too. Like generally, like the most consistent team is going to come out on top. So like with total yeah. point with total points, it's five points for a goal, three points for an assist, and then smaller points like zero point two five for a hit or a shot on goal. But like if you can get like a McDavid or a top player in a total points league and they get a hat trick in a game, that's 15 fantasy points. So it's yeah. definitely easy to uh, get up the leaderboard. That's cool that you have two teams or two leagues with them. Uh, do you guys have different rosters between those two leagues or do you carry the same roster? One of those two Humber leagues is a keeper league. The other uh, okay. one we start fresh. Nice. So the, the total points league is a keeper league and uh, the weekly head to head you start fresh. So again, right. Like similar to our league, when you get your hands on the generational talent, like a Matthews or a McDavid. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of, they're, they, they're, yeah. they're locks on your team for years and years to come. Past it's nice to have another chance to get one of them. Yeah, exactly. So- Sounds like in con- contrast to some of our other. This year in the non-keeper league, I managed to get number one overall pick. So I do. This week was weird for me because in one of my teams, I have McDavid this week. And in, in our league, I'm playing against McDavid this week. So it's like, okay, I watched McDavid score. I was like, yes, that's good for one league. And then I was like, oh, in the back of my mind, Reese has McDavid in, in our head-to-head matchups. So. <laughs> True. Uh, Scott, you've, you've kind of gotten a jump on the trade market and really got things rolling in our league uh, about a week or t- actually two full weeks before the trade deadline. You made some big moves. Which one are you happiest with? Getting Freddie Anderson for Patterson, it was a tough trade to take because obviously I'm a diehard Lee Sam, so getting Freddie was a huge sell point obviously Elias Pettersson is a very 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 good hockey player but uh getting another Toronto Maple Leaf player on my roster definitely uh made the trade definitely intriguing to take yeah and I think you it kind of fit your roster a little bit with uh having Kevin Lankinen step up and maybe having an extra goalie gave you some flexibility to bring one in and ship one out, take your pick of the two. Yeah. So when I got Freddie, so good segue, Peter, because when I got Freddie, I used Kevin Lightning because Tim was looking for goalie help. So I shipped Lightning to Tim for Anders Lee and a couple other pieces, including some draft picks. And then I ironically traded lead to chris which was so well timed on your part because now he's on long-term ir never played a game for me and i think he's going to be out the rest of the fantasy year so that that worked out really well for you and tim i'm glad you guys got a bargain yeah i mean that's the thing i love about fantasy hockey when you make trades like some trades you look like a genius and some trades you look back and be like yeah probably didn't work out for me in the in the long run but at the end of the day, that's what fantasy hockey is about, right? Go bigger, go bigger, go home, take chances, get risky, right? Make yeah. trades, right? Some work out, some don't. That's the nature of the beast in fantasy hockey. 
Now, Scott, I, I do have to just put this on the record here because there has been a, a bit of a history of players that you've traded away ending up on the IR between Dubois uh, in his uh, debut with Winnipeg getting hurt. And I, I don't know how many games Pedersen's actually ended up playing for Kyle. Now Anders Lee with Chris. Like, is, is there something that uh, you know that the, the league doesn't with some of these guys? I wish I had the uh, medical reports for these guys go, going in if they were on a risk of a injury. But, uh, no, obviously, you never – even if he's on your team, you don't want to see a player go down with an injury, especially a relatively top player like a Patterson or Anders Lee. I mean, Anders Lee being the captain of the Islanders, they're a very, very good team this year. They're just balanced – from the first line to the fourth line, right? Just steady as a rock. Great, great goaltending. Peter knows that because he's got Varlamov on his team, but they're just steady as a rock. Yeah, I think they've won nine in a row now. And it obviously shows in the standings. Hopefully, I think uh, there's rumblings that they might have put him on long-term because they want to make a splash for a rental player. And now they can eat up that seven mil cap hit. Who came out today saying he is on long-term yeah. IR? Well, um, you can only go for it. I guess I have the same roster as I did before we made the trade, minus Sorelli, who's been actually really good. He scored another goal after uh, Anders Lee got hurt, and I was like, "Damn it! <laughs> I want to undo this." But it's all always hindsight twenty twenty. Um, speaking of that, do you have any draft day regrets? Like, who do you think was your biggest hit and your biggest miss? I still think. Honestly, the biggest steal, and I don't think I drafted him. I might have picked him up. But Joel Faraby is a stud. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And I remember, I remember early in the season and the last couple pods, I've got a shout-out for keeping Faraby from Chris. Yeah, man. Because all, all around, like, he's steady. Yeah. I'm just... Good on the power play. I mean, he's... He's on a line with Couturier and JVR, and they've been one of the top lines for Philly. So like, he's been scoring a lot of goals and just overall consistent. I have to say, I was a doubter from day one. Yeah, him and JVR have really good chemistry. Yeah. Multi-point games. He's, he looks like he's got to be averaging close to over three shots a game uh, the last month. Um, and I've never even heard of this guy before this year. So you might have found a diamond in the rough there. Well, as a big, big hockey fan too, like you're watching the world juniors year in, year out. And right. You see these guys who are playing right when they're like 18, 19, 20 representing their country in the world juniors. And when they put up good stats in the world juniors, you're like, okay, like this guy's going to be a solid NHL player. So yeah. I, I remember seeing seeing Faraby in the World Juniors playing for the United States of America and had a pretty decent tournament, right? So you see these guys when they're young re- playing U20, and then you see, like, these guys have NHL potential, and Faraby's one of those guys. It's definitely, like, the premier showcase for young talent. I feel like every year a new star is made in the World Juniors, so... You know, not a bad spot to scout for fantasy sleeper picks or, you know, early early season waiver wire ads. 
Um, he had like a four point game too to to start the year off, and I think you grabbed him right away. But I feel like in a league like ours with fourteen teams, like I'm always one to be like, oh, like that's a big game, but like let's see if they can reproduce it for you know the next week or whatever. But I feel like we don't have that luxury in in our league where you kind of have to do take some risks and gamble on guys. I remember telling Chris about Jordan Bennington when he got a shutout his first game with St. Louis, being like. I've never even heard of this guy. Like, I don't really know if he can really amount to anything. And you've, you know, all seen how that, uh, that story unfolded. He's a starter cup winner. So yeah. yeah. Kudos to you for taking the shot. And I'll say as a Flyers fan, I've enjoyed Farabee's success almost as much as you probably. <laughs> and a- another strategy I've somewhat adopted and it's tough because in a weekly head-to-head matchups right like some weeks the Leafs will play four games in seven days this week they're only playing two games in seven days so like when you're looking at your at the waiver wire like okay like this team plays four games this week might as well take a flyer knowing that he's played four games right get as many player starts as possible yeah absolutely that's like a a really good strategy, I find, because, you know, somebody might be a little bit above average, but playing two games in a week, and someone might be a little bit below average, but I'll take the four games over the two games any day of the week, right? You could just get that volume in. Yeah, especially, like, in matchups, right? And another strategy, too, right? Like, even when I picked up Cam Talbot last night, because I knew he was starting today and had a phenomenal game, Um but like if you're down in your matchup on late Saturday, adding players for the Sunday can definitely work in your favor. So like if you go into Sunday and you're down in assist or down shots on goal and you add a couple players on Sunday to give you like seven or eight players starts on a Sunday, knowing that your opponent only has three or four, you can use those pickups to try to maximize shots on goal and other categories that you might be in striking distance, like maybe only one or two behind, especially shots on goal. Like if you're only down like three or four shots on goal and you add players for the Sunday and you have more players starts in the skaters category than your opponent does, you can swing a category your way, which is what I ended up doing today with Talbot. I was, down in the goalie categories and Talbot had a very good game to give me the lead in the wins. Yeah. And I think like, that's definitely a key strategy and swung your matchup this week. And if you can double dip on those two and pick, make a, a Saturday night ad for a Sunday start of a guy who's playing a good schedule the next week, then you can kind of, I, I like to use that not to give too many secrets away, but if I have extra, extra moves at the end of a week, to turn them into next week's moves that can go a long way in terms of being able to stream players. Yeah. I mean, our, uh, in our league, right. You're only allowed four ads per week. And in a couple of my other leagues, you have X amount of ads for the season. So like in a couple of my other leagues, like you have like 75 ads for the year or 80 ads for the year. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, the difference between the two, I, I say, I will say, maybe we talked about this too, I think in our league chats, but uh, I like the, 
limited moves per week. I, I know this week I was against Charlie, who's never a, an easy opponent. And I was relieved to see him use up all of his ads because I knew that, you know, this is the team I'm going to play against. There's no more surprises, no more, you know, speculation of, is he going to grab another goalie or whatever? So I kind of like it. And I think you do have to be smart about how you, how you use your, your moves. And, and I played in a league too, that has the um, yearly max. And I remember playing with a couple of guys who would use up all of their moves for this season, like five weeks in and then they're <laughs> stuck with these yeah, rosters. Makes and it tough, get, yeah. yeah. So for I, sure. I like the way we do it. Yeah. I mean, even in general, like if you have, you play the full 82 game season and you have like 80 ads for the year, you still have to be very strategic on when you use those ads. Yeah. I, I think it's, there's a little more strategy for me with the weekly moves, just because uh, knowing there's that cap and, and I think also good for me for self-control as you're saying, Pete, it would be hard not to just burn them. Like uh, that one matchup I had with, with Charlie. And I think I used three of my, I used a, a, did a Monday ad and then I used my next three scrambling to get a goalie start. And I think if it hadn't been for the cap, I probably would have just kept adding and dropping goalies until I got someone to start. So there's definitely, um, I've caught myself a couple times this year, burning a move, like making an ad and maybe I misread the schedule uh, or it's not the player I actually wanted. And I'm like, shit, well, I'm stuck with him because I'm not going to burn two moves on this one guy. And uh, so like, you really have to be a little more cautious, I think. Yeah. I mean, especially with ad drops too, right? Like you add a player and he has a phenomenal week and then the next week he struggles it's that hard decision of do you keep them or drop them and pick up another guy? Yeah. You don't know how long to keep running the hot hand for sure. Like, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll break this down more, but look at Reese. He dropped Carter Hart, right? Like that Carter Hart was a keeper for Reese this, this past year going from last year to this year. And obviously the flyers are in a relatively tough division like they're playing the islanders the capitals the bruins the penguins so like phillies obviously did not have the best week this week but for him to drop carter hart right he when he's on he's a top eight goalie in the league potentially so i mean the fact that he's available there there might be a, a bidding war with our well i was just thinking that like with uh, as we talk about moves, I think we're all pretty adept with our strategy of how we use our moves. Like hearing your what you do, Scott, for Sundays and looking at games played. I think we're all pretty new with the the free agent bidding, and I've noticed everyone except for Peter has been very conservative, uh, except for a couple moves. But like most people have between ninety and a hundred dollars left. Uh, I think when you see a player like this go, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, like for me, I'm thinking I'm not going to make that many more waiver wire ads this year, probably f- like three at most. So I could throw 60 bucks at Carter Hart if I wanted him and probably still get every other player I want. So it'll be interesting to see. I think there will be a bidding war on him. Yeah, I remember I used $10 in the bidding war to get Sergei Bobrovsky after Pete dropped him. And that would have been maybe 
six weeks ago. It, it's true though. Like I think Dumba might have had the biggest uh, throwdown, and that was by Peter. I think he gave seventeen bucks for Dumba. Um, but it's like crazy because I feel like pretty much if you want a player, you, you could put fifteen dollars down and you'll get them generally. But I think as we get late in the season, we're all going to have a lot of budget left over. Yeah, I mean, even looking at this week's matchup with Reese, I mean, he, I think he spent like $10 in the bidding war to pick up Mike, Mike Smith. So he had Mike, yeah. he had Mike Smith for our full week this week. And Edmonton played, I want to say, three games. So, I mean, he got Mike Smith for two starts. Yeah, that's my big regret. I put out a couple of feelers on Smith and no one bit. And then all of a sudden uh, there's all this money being thrown at him. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't offer any of those teams him. So I guess that was my mistake. Yeah, I think uh, that's something to, to look for. And I'm guilty of it and I've seen it happen. But sometimes if there's a very fringe guy being offered out in the trade market, um, it's not uncommon to see them float on the waiver wire a week later if there's no takers. So it can be a game of chicken if you actually want a guy. I, mean, I think you should try to pay for him and see if a trade can work. But uh, I think, yeah, sometimes it's someone's just trying to see what value they can get for that player before they cut ties. Because, yeah, like, going into my matchup with Reese – especially like the goalie categories before the matchup started on Monday, I was relatively confident with Hellbach and Anderson. And then Reese came into this week with Hart, Bennington and Calvin Peterson from the Kings. And obviously going into this week, I knew that Winnipeg and Leafs were playing three times this week. So I was like, okay, when I start, both Hellebuck and Anderson, they're playing against each other. Obviously, <laughs> I want low-scoring games, so my goals against and save percentage is not through the roof. But knowing that Hellebuck is going to play head-to-head against Anderson, I was guaranteed a win in the win category, knowing that Winnipeg and the Leafs were playing three times this week. Yeah, I think that's kind of unique with the new divisions and schedules. Like, that kind of thing would never happen in a typical year, but to have those, like mini series and, and to have a goalie on either side, I guess you're, you're capped for your upside because you can't get both wins. But I think most of us would take a, a guaranteed, you know, three wins every week that, that could, uh, could work pretty nicely. Well, for sure. I, I was thinking usually that happens a couple times a year, right? Where your goalies play each other. And I'm like, that hasn't happened to me yet, but of course you have to be in the same division this year. So that is definitely a bonus of having two Canadian goalies. Um, Scott, we, uh, we've been asking most of our, our guests for their takes on the NHL season and maybe a, a Stanley Cup pick. And maybe as we get more and more people on, we'll build a bigger uh, uh, list of, of cup wins and maybe the, there'll be someone that uh, can hit it on the head. But I'm wondering if you have a, a Stanley Cup prediction or any takes on the, the NHL season playing out so as you know chris and peter i have bled toronto maple leafs blue and white since 1991 <laughs> so ob- obviously i'm gonna say that i hope this is a year that 
the parade all down Queen Street is going to happen. So, obviously, I'm going to go with the Leafs, but there's so many good teams. Vegas, Colorado, Carolina's a very underrated sleeper pick. Um, I mean, you always got Boston, you got Tampa, you got Washington. It's a lot of good teams. And at, at the end of the day, like, with the COVID divisions and playing inside your divisions for the first two rounds of the playoffs, obviously, we don't know the matchups yet but like for your the Leafs like say right you're going to be playing a Winnipeg or a Edmonton or a Montreal in the first round and if you get out of that then you're playing another very very good hockey team so like it's going to be interesting once the divisions end and you end up playing the winners from the other divisions in the semifinals and what the matchups are. And I think once they get down to the final four, I think it's based on points percentage, like what division plays against, right? So like whether on paper, knock on wood that the Leafs get out of the North, like they could play Vegas, they could play Boston, right? That's still to be predetermined. I mean, I have to say, I have to say it's about time someone picked the Leafs. And, like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but they've looked damn good this year. I mean, I know they didn't pull it off today, but um, still, like, they're – looks like they're gunning for the President's Trophy, and they have Matthews going at – and Marner going at full speed. So, uh, I think, as you say, playing within the division to start definitely benefits them. And I actually could see it happening. You know, we had a global pandemic. We had – insurrection at the capitol hill i mean of all the years for the leafs to win it's got to be 2021 right hell is freezing over so yeah yeah and another thing here too right like normally in the nhl season pre-pandemic and you're playing the full 82 game season with the regular divisions you're playing every single team in the nhl at least twice home and away so like the Leafs would play Colorado twice they would play Vegas twice right this year like obviously the Leafs and Habs and the Leafs and Sens have been a huge rivalry for years but like this year more especially like you're playing nine games against them ten games against them yeah like I remember like this week one of my closest buddies who I went to Humber Sports Management with he's born and bred in Winnipeg so, like, we had some fun smack talk this week because the Leafs were playing the Jets three times in four days, which you wouldn't see in a regular normal season. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been great for building rivalries and, and seeing those storylines develop between teams, for sure. Um, speaking of, of rivalries, we've also got every manager's take on uh, – every manager that we've interviewed's take on the Lakely Cup. Who's your pick to uh, bring home the hardware this year? There's a lot of good teams in our league, and that's the thing I love about week-to-week matchups is, like, one week your team can have a phenomenal week offensively and you can win 7-2 or 8-1. And then the next week they struggle and you lose. So consistency is huge. So, like, when you're looking at – Teams that have a generational talent like Reese has, uh, McDavid, right? Or like 
a dry side or a McKinnon, right? Like if they go off offensively for a week, and obviously we know how dry and McDavid can get four or five, six points in a night yeah. if they want to. I mean, especially if they play right? Ottawa. <laughs> My hot take will be there'll be a Russell in the likely cup final. Ooh. That's my hot take. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I'm upset to hear you say that. And uh, don't feel the need to get any more specific about the Russell who's in the final. I think we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, let's keep rolling. Uh, we'll finish off with you, Scott, with a recap of – it's funny, when we, when we did our pre-episode notes, it said recap Hyman's Heroes 4 versus Heart Attack 4. But since that time – the score has changed. Uh, I'd love to hear I got, your... I got, I got the big 5-4 dub, courtesy of Hyman getting two goals tonight. Yeah, man. And Cam Talbot getting a nice win today. That was huge. We, we were saying that Scott might have to actually stick with this team name because it's been so damn good to him. Oh, it, it's keeping. I, I remember, funny, and we mentioned this on a previous pod, it was like two weeks ago, and I'm playing against Ian, and like Saturday... Saturday rolls around and I'm down seven categories to one. So I changed my team name to basement (laughs) knowing that ironically on Monday morning, I'd be in last place because I was down seven, one. And then Hellebuck made like 42 saves against the Habs on the Saturday night. And I ended up swinging all three category goalie categories my way. And it went from being like potentially me losing seven two eight one to like a four three I think it was. So like I swung three categories after switching my team name to basement, and then after Hellebuck had a phenomenal start, I switched my team name to Hellebuck's henchman. Yeah, you absolutely killed me with that, those antics, Scott. I was crying laughing at that. Well, yeah, like when I changed my team name to basement. I full-on expected to be in last place on Monday morning. Yeah. It was the message your team needed to hear, absolutely. And then I, and then I swung three categories my way and then ended up winning the head-to-head 4-3 because we tied in a couple categories. Yeah. But, uh, no, Hyman's Heroes is to stay. You, you won't see another name switch. It's Hyman Heroes for the long haul. I love it too because not only did you name it after Hyman, but the heroes like Zach Hyman was the hero for you with two goals exactly uh, today to give you that that win in, in the goals category. And uh, as you mentioned, big big um, game from Cam Talbot, who's actually had two straight good games for Minnesota, who's looking really strong actually in the whatever West Division or wherever they are, I, I kind of counted them out coming into the year because they had, like, no good forwards. But and Speaking of diamonds in the rough, Kaprizov? Yeah, incredible week. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about him for sure. Um, trying to think of what else I saw in your matchup, Scott. I think you had mentioned it too, the star power, but, um, like, McDavid was everything as advertised in this matchup and you are able to – kind of weather the storm but um yeah i mean when i break it down i mean i won i'm looking at it now i won that won the hits relatively easy like i was up 63 to 46 in hits but like assists i lost by 10 power play points i lost by nine shots on goal i lost by 20 blocks i lost and then yeah like 
goalie stats, I snuck out 3-2 in wins. And both Reese and I had a goals against average of over three and a save percentage under 900, but I managed to win all, all three goalie categories. So that worked out. Yeah. I feel like, honestly, it was the best, perfect stat mix for playing Reese's team. Uh, as you were saying, like, McDavid put up nine points and it didn't actually really affect the outcome of the matchup, right? Like his, yeah, he had seven assists and 18 shots, but you lost by more than that in both categories. So I think uh, your grinders really helped big in the hits department there. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day too, like when you're, you have your goalies, right? Like it's a stretch. Cause like if they give up four goals, but get the win. It's like, okay, they got me the goalie win, but they let in four goals. So their goals against and save percentage is not the best. So like, it's tough. Like I find like most of these all Canadian matchups is run and gun, run and gun. And it's just so high scoring, which can work for your skaters. But when your goalies are letting out three, four goals consistently, your goals against and your save percentage is not going to be the greatest. Yeah, so maybe having two in that division is uh, it's a tough go. But to be fair to you, you have you know two of the stronger goalies in the Canadian division. Um, yeah, I, it's pretty wild too to see how the the categories broke out. Like, you know, McDavid had a great week, but Zach Hyman actually ended up with more goals than McDavid yeah. in the weekly <laughs> weekly totals. So. Yeah. You, uh, I, I'm impressed with your even yeah. strength scoring, your five on five scoring for your team. I mean, back back on the trades that I made, it um, will affect my lineup tomorrow because the trade went through today. But I had Derek Forbert on my team, and then I traded him to Charlie. But he's a hit monster, block monster, yeah. and especially in weekly head to head matchups, especially come playoffs. If you win hits and blocks, those are crucial categories come playoff time. Like if you win, you can sneak out a five, four win with two of those categories being hits and blocks, right? Like Forbert, I remember Peter posted it in the chat. Like he had a 10 block game. I think it was 11, 11 block game. Right. So those categories are absolutely crucial every single week yeah i think on that note it it has to be mentioned that reese got 60 blocks this week which seems to be like in like he more than doubled you scott and like 26 i think is pretty pretty close to league average like 60 blocks is wild i mean obviously edler had 18 so that helps a lot but um that's another thing with reese's roster that makes me a little little nervous come playoff time is that high-end scoring with you know having the peripherals locked down pretty good. So good on you for, for getting one of those categories from him. Yeah. And uh, looking at the live standing Scott in the uh, game channel, I guess everyone's going to see this on Monday, but you can see the updated standings and this matchup win actually moves you up into 10th place, which is a, um, a, a bye week in the gauntlet. So I think it's fun. Yeah. Like you, you've been selling away some pieces, but if you keep, winning some matchups and playing spoiler it, it can help your your roster for next year potentially getting that first overall pick yeah i mean like going into this week i saw that 
12 parasects was locking down the last playoff spot at 62 points going into this week. And I was sitting at 48 points. So, I mean, that's a lot of categories to make up in a short period of time. But I do think the trades I've made this week, I've got a lot of fourth round picks, fifth round picks. So like looking forward to next year, like it's, I'm going to have a lot of picks in the top rounds, which will make a huge difference. Yeah. I think maybe you've learned from the um, failures of the, the Leafs in the two thousands where coming in ninth place or eighth place doesn't really do much for you. You kind of have to go all in, go for a championship, or if not, you, uh, you go back to the drawing board, try to build a complete roster and go back at it. So I'm, I'm excited to see what your team's going to look like next year. And uh, I'm sure if we uh, continue the podcast in the next year, have you on, it will be interesting to hear what stage you're at. So we'll have to see how that, that all shakes out. Um, but yeah, Scott, thanks again for making time for us. Oh, my, my, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to, uh, future appearances on the wrestlemania podcast it's great to hear from you scott i love to hear like the strategy behind the scenes and i look forward to when we can all get together in in real time sometime soon but still great to to drink a beer with you virtually and and chat fantasy hockey of course it's it's a pleasure to talk (laughs) and chris i hope your team has an off week next week i appreciate the good vibes we'll see what happens we have a fantasy showdown coming up this week, so I look forward to that. Oh, you bet I know that. I'm, I'm all geared up for it, buddy. May the best team win. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. See you, Scott. Yeah, take care, Scott. Well, that was great to hear from the Side legend himself, uh, breaking down some in really, it, I would say, involved strategies with uh, ads, drops, and trades, and... You know, he's doing a really good job playing spoiler. Uh, it seems like the thing his team needed to know was that no player was safe. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone's chipping in. Yeah, you, you. but it's tricky because if you play too well, then you're likely to be traded to a contender. So there's kind of this uh, balance. Yeah, definitely. You got to keep your roster spot, but don't don't shine. Well, whatever it, whatever it is, it's working for him. And uh, I hope it immediately ceases as... Uh, we go into a matchup this week <laughs> together. Um, but let's like, jump right in and, and break down what was a pretty eventful week in the Justice League. Pete, where do you want to head first? Well, I, we did recap a uh, recent Scott's matchup, but I think it isn't, um, isn't doing justice. <laughs> there you go. Isn't doing justice to, I think, a bit of a, a big move that Reese made um, Maybe a bit of a spike drop, as we had talked about before, but Carter Hart hitting the waiver wire, which I think um, is is tough, you know, to that we're in that situation for me as a Flyers fan, and I don't think anything we would have really seen coming into the year. But I think it's a really interesting move because, like, the guy is putting up, like, Martin Jones numbers. Yeah. And um, I think – my eyes lit up when I saw him on the waiver wire and then I clicked his stats and I was like, well, do I want that? And I think the way our, our categories um, play out, like any skater you start, 
you know, you'd love for them to get a goal or an assist or whatever, but there's really no negative outcomes to having a, a skater on your roster or in your active roster. Like there, there's nothing that they can do to hurt you. Um, this isn't an argument to bring back plus minus. I think we're <laughs> better off without it, but at least then, you know, there was a, a, a possible downside to starting someone, but for goalies, like they can really ruin your whole week, your whole matchup with a bad performance. And I think, you know, Hart, while he's a great goalie and has a lot of upside, I, I think he may have been holding Reese's team back. And maybe this is a, a tricky situation to navigate for any team to decide whether or not the risk is worth it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all, those are all very good points. You look at him and he's got a season rank of 594. Like, I think he's probably below like guys who haven't played this year. <laughs> like, like it's actually, he's probably like aggregate a negative impact on Reese's team over the course of the year. And uh, that sucks. Cause I really didn't see that coming into this year. He looked like he was going to be amazing. Um, and I think, you know, you've seen this uh, year in, year out with your flyers, Pete, but he just loses his confidence. And I hate to say it, but like, he may end up being another Bobrovsky where he gets a change of scenery and then he's like, he's definitely got the talent. It's just, he's in his head or something. Um, but it's hard for me to know where I'm like, as you're saying, my eyes lit up. And then I look at him and I'm like, do I want to, like, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to bench him every night and then like not keep him. <laughs> so I understand why Reese dropped him. And I also understand anyone who's willing to uh, go out on a limb to see if he turns the season around. Yeah, I'm not sure when this episode will drop, if it'll be before or after the bidding, but I think it's going to be... I think every team will at least have to make the decision whether or not to be in on him and for how much, because he's also a unique player where, like, as a playoff team, I'd love to have the starting goalie of a really good or whatever playoff contending team in the Flyers. But even as a rebuilding team or a team that's more likely to be in the gauntlet, like, if he turns it around, like, you know, Reese kept him. He's 22 years old. He's younger than pretty much every other starting goalie. Like that could be a building block for your roster to come. But uh, I think, I think the best cons- comparison or, or what I've seen him compared to throughout his career is Carey Price with the like um, Western Canada ties and the world juniors and coming into the league young. And yeah. He's kind of modeled this game after Carey Price. I think maybe this is me just being an optimistic Flyers fan and not, really wanting to accept the other um, possibility of this, but I hope it's, it's a blip in a promising career. Like price kind of uh, struggled when he was coming into the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess only time will tell and it remains to be seen if he will be at all valuable in, in this fantasy season. Yeah. I think the last thing that I thought of when I saw him drop was there's a, um, fantasy football podcast that I listened to and they refer to a star or name player who isn't performing and gets dropped as like a hand grenade or a landmine where they're too good to like, you, you feel like you should trade them, but there may be a benefit to having their bad performance on someone else's roster. Like imagine Reese (laughs) wins a matchup in the future because his opponent picked up Carter Hart who tanked, their goalie stats and, and Reese benefits from it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I It really could go any direction, which is uh, kind of wild to think of. 
I like that hand grenade. I think it's entirely possible in this situation. Well, I'm going to be counting my free agent budget pretty meticulously and seeing what I can throw that way, but I don't imagine it's going to be much. Let's get into it, though. we got a whole bunch of matchups to break down, and uh, I think just to lead it off, I want to take it over to yours. It's a battle of the heavyweights, first place versus third, Peter versus Charlie, uh, but it ended up with a pretty lopsided score. Pete, you came out ahead 7-2. Uh, who do you think was your MVP for the week? Ah, good question. I think the uh, the golden jockstrap, I think I have to give it to Semyon Varlamov because he's been so good all year. And I think his early success kind of forced Charlie to have to go after goaltending by picking up um, Demko and Ranta to try to make up uh, lost ground. And I was really happy to see Ranta not do well because he had burned me a couple times already this year. So I was like, if he comes and has a great performance against me on Sunday to, you know, bring the matchup within striking distance, I'll be upset. So good to see him staying in his mediocre form. So yeah, Varlama was, was the hero and, um, but definitely still a, a tough matchup. This is, so, go. I guess at this point you're anti Ranta. I am very anti Ranta. Yes. Um, the other kudos I got to give Charlie was this is actually the first time all year I've lost the shots on goal category, usually with, you know, Pacioretty and Evander Kane, Fiala, those guys, I've been pretty good, but, I think Charlie likes to build his team around shooters and I just couldn't keep up with Tuchuk and Ovechkin and uh, some of those guys. So good on him for beating me in shots. Yeah, it was definitely like a heavyweight battle there. Uh, I, I thought you were at one point you were leading on Sunday today. So it seemed like you were going to be able to make it uh, an eight, one victory, but uh, kudos to, or shout out to Jacob Chikrin putting up six shots on goal for you today from a, you know, kind of a no-name defenseman. That's pretty great. But, uh, yeah, seemed like really big totals across the board. Nothing I wouldn't expect. Um, and Varlamov really came up huge for you. I, I, it's already been mentioned once, but I have to do my weekly drool over Brady Kachuk's numbers with 15 shots and 22 hits to go with his three points, two of which were on the power play. Um, that's enough to swing, uh, a category usually, but you actually held on uh, to the hits uh, by the skin of your teeth, winning by six. And uh, I think uh, that was really by committee plus Radko Gudas for you. Yeah, it's funny. I actually kind of employed some of Scott's strategies and I saw that I was close in hits coming into today. So I figured I'll grab someone who can really throw the body around. So I picked up Kyle Clutterbuck and he ended up with zero hits today. So I'm, uh, I'm happy I still got the win. You know, the result is, is great, but um, just kind of funny the way when you look at a season total, you can tell what the player's good at, but in a small sample size of 60 minutes of hockey, anything can happen. So I guess Cal was playing more of a defensively responsible game today <laughs> and uh, didn't help me there. Yeah, I think I really liked what Kyle pointed out about hitters being like, the only way you're hitting is if your team doesn't have the puck. And so perhaps the Islanders versus the Devils means the Devils didn't really touch the puck too much. So <laughs> Clutterbuck had no one to hit. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought about things that way. But I think going forward, I'm going to try to take that into account when I'm considering my my ads. 
Um, one last thing, Chris, and you, you pointed this out to me, but I wanted to share it because I think it's uh, a very rare event. But the other guy that was really key for me and, and had some kind of surprising results was uh, Joel Erickson Eck, who had three goals and one assist on the week. But um, when you go beyond the box score, both what, one goal today and one assist earlier in the week were on um, goals awarded to players that were tripped or interfered with on penalty shots or on um, breakaways on an empty net. So earlier yeah. in the week, Erickson Eck passed it up to Brodeen, who got uh, two-handed from behind and, and missed the empty net, but they awarded the goal. And I, I guess when they award a goal, they also give out the assist. So he got an assist from, from that. And then today, he had the super rare stat line of one goal on zero shots. Yeah. Uh, and that is because he had a breakaway on an empty net and got tripped. And the puck skittered off to the side, but the ref awarded Erickson X the goal. But obviously, he didn't get the shot on net to account for that. So I think it was kind of funny in this week's matchup where, uh, as it boiled down on Sunday, I was really going after shots more than goals. So <laughs> maybe I would have rather had like the shot <laughs> than the goal, but uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty wild. Yeah, definitely. Wild is the word to describe it. Uh, I think that seems to be a nightly occurrence in Minnesota. And uh, I was pretty happy for it in my matchup because it actually <laughs> swung a category for me. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's a wild world, and it's one of those things where, like with fantasy hockey, as I've said before, I take in most of my NHL through fantasy. Uh, so I was kind of like, what the hell happened there? Like, is that a typo or something? And obviously, it'd be different if you watch the game. So it's kind of funny to look beyond the numbers every once in a while and see the, the goofy things that happen in real life. Yeah, I think um, next week we'll probably get more into it with the trade deadline approaching, but I don't think it's a coincidence to see Charlie struggle in net and then respond by getting uh, Tristan Jerry or Jari um, in a trade. So maybe that'll assess that, uh, that need he has. And the next time if we face off, it may not uh, be so easy in the nets for me. Yeah. He had a big margin to, to overcome. So I think you're pretty safe, but stranger things have happened. Okay, let's uh, move on to uh, Amplification and Greasy Grinders. Ashley with the 5-3 win over Ian. And uh, pretty uh, pretty close matchup here. Um, I think it was uh, maybe 4-4 or something earlier in the day, but Ashley ends up with a win. And with that win, um, it actually moves her into a playoff position. She takes the eighth spot. Um, and, uh, so now she's, she's in the driver's seat. Yeah, definitely a, a big win for Ashley. And, you know, it was actually hard fought, I would say in some categories, Ian put up some really good goaltending numbers, uh, Jari, the man of the hour, uh, with a couple wins and a good save percentage and price doing what he does best. Um, otherwise I think, uh, Nick Felino almost <laughs> did everything that would normally swing the hits category with 16 on the week, but he was up against the grinders. So uh, Ristolainen matched that with just an average week and uh, a couple more big yeah. totals from Zaitsev. And, and Timmy, Jimmy Stutzel actually had seven hits on the week too, which was uh, 
a bit more of a like even production from him than what we've seen previously. And if that becomes a trend, I think you could really see his fantasy stock go up. Yeah. Good week from uh, Malkin too for Ashley. And I, I feel like we talk about, you know, a couple of players every week on Ashley's team because they stand out. But I think the one guy I did want to bring up this week is Jack Hughes, who we had really been impressed by earlier in the season. I feel like he has really slowed down. Um, he showed a lot of promise early, but the points haven't been there. And I know New Jersey kind of had some COVID struggles, but uh, it's it's kind of interesting as he has fallen off. I feel like Stutzla has like picked up the slack. So there's just a different uh, young uh, stud who's producing for her. Yeah, definitely. It seems like uh, the baton has been passed a bit. And I really have noticed that like week in, week out with, with Ashley's team is that uh, it's not always who you think might have put up a good week, but uh, she's got the numbers to back it up that she always gets it done. So winning winning enough categories every week to now be in a playoff spot. Um, so she's right in the thick of it. It's going to be tight around that last spot. Uh, but as for now, the, the grinders are in. So watch your back. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I had mentioned, this matchup was close throughout. And if we zoom into Sunday – um, it was a goal by Phil Kessel. Phil the Thrill, still in the league, still putting up yeah. numbers and producing. Um, and so that goal ended up tying the goals category. So that uh, that made it, you know, from 5-4 to, to 5-3. And her team was able to amass 19 shots to Ian's four to give her the win in shots. But unfortunate for Ian, um, I don't know if he was in the starting lineup uh, at uh, the time of the game, but... Either way, JG Pajot was a late scratch for the Islanders with the COVID scare. So that kind of um, yeah put a little damper on the shots on goal uh, battle for, for Ian. Yeah, you never know when that's going to strike. <laughs> um, I think uh, that just about wraps it for that matchup. And uh, let's take it over to Mock Girl Summer and the Golden Whites. We were talking about that last playoff spot and Matt seemed like a lock to, to fight his way in, but he met a real hot team in Kyle's squad coming off some big moves and uh, an absolute dismantling of my squad. He followed it up with an eight, one win. Um, a couple things I noticed were, were Kadri and of course, Kaprizov having huge weeks uh, in the shots department and putting up some points uh, as well as dry just, you know, continuing to, add some fuel to the debate on who the best player in Edmonton is. Uh, and those things combined are pretty much impossible to beat. Yeah. Kaprizov and Dreisaitl had more goals combined than Matt's entire team, which I think is more of a kudos to them than a knock on <laughs> yeah. the Golden Dwights. But Kaprizov, especially with the hat trick early in the week, and then he kind of uh, played the hero today on Sunday with eight shots against Arizona. Um Kyle was kind of outnumbered in terms of starts today with uh, Matt having like three or five more skaters than, um, than Kyle. But yeah, those eight shots from Kaprizov helped him maintain that lead in the shots on goal category. Yeah. Yeah. Like again, no knock on, on Matt's squad this week. He put up good numbers, but uh, Kyle really like, I think it's really scary to me to see Kyle's team with like really good offensive numbers. Cause usually that's where I'm like, okay, that's where I can squeeze in some category wins, but over a hundred shots and, you know, 13 goals to go with his 72 hits. 
and four wins is pretty, <laughs> is pretty frightening. Um, I think it's always cool to see like heavyweights go up against each other. And, you know, Matthews had a great week uh, with, with three goals and two assists, but uh, he didn't have a dry saddle level week. So that's always interesting to see how those duels will shake down. And uh, that was a, a big win for, for Kyle there. Otherwise, I think, I think also Matt's squad kind of got uh, the worst thing possible, which is a bad goalie week against, against Kyle's team. And uh, Samsonov and Elliot both, while they got a couple wins, really weren't stopping a lot of the pucks they saw. And uh, that really hurt him. Yeah, I think it's it's tough because, like, Vasilevsky had an off week by his standards, still picked up two wins because the team he plays for. But um, Kakanen with the uh, really strong goalie numbers, him and Talbot, I guess, both played well for Minnesota this week. And, uh, yeah, just tough to overcome Kyle's numbers um, in nets. And yeah, I think uh, the only other things I saw were 28 hits from Hakenpah as uh, even Scott is noticing him throwing the body for Anaheim. And I feel like every week we've talked about him, his like hits numbers have got more and more impressive. He's really ramping up as the season goes on. Yeah. Like that's, that's enough to win the category almost on his own. (laughs) Like that's pretty crazy. The other guy who kind of caught my attention um, is Mackenzie Weger on the Golden Dwights playing for yes. Florida. He had uh, five assists this week, and, and he's actually put together a really good uh, month in general of points. I don't think he plays on their power play because they have uh, Yandel and Ekblad and stuff, but he's still able to find a way to get on the score sheet, and it's been a good, good pickup for, for Matt's squad. Yeah, and he's great because he he gets point or gets numbers across the board too, right? Like he's getting shots, hits, and blocks to go with those assists. Um, so, yeah, the the Panthers like continue to surprise me. They have a really good roster, and uh, it's not just the the household names that are getting the wins for them. So, that's a astute pickup. If you were to ask me before this week, which um, which teams could you see sneaking into the playoffs that are out? Um, I think the two that I would have pinpointed would have been Golden Dwight's and Ha Ha Ho. And both of them, as we'll get to, did not fare super well. The interesting thing about the way the matchups broke down this week is the teams that they're chasing also did not perform well. So an 8-1 loss for Matt would kind of seem like a, a nail in the coffin to wrap it up and start selling. But you're really just, you know basing your performance off of how the other teams do. So if you can keep within a couple points of them, you're still in it. So I think it's kind of interesting the way all the matchups went down. So maybe on that note, let's, let's go to Calgary Weatherman and 12 parsecs. So Jordan being the eighth seed um, lost this week, seven to one. So he was only able to pick up three points in this matchup against you, Chris. And uh, still a pretty close matchup when you look at each category individually, but you were able to come out on top on most of them. Yeah, definitely. I don't think the score tells how close this was. It was it was one of those ones where I was leading, I think, 6-3 going into today, and I knew I could be losing 5-4 by the end of uh, Sunday. But uh, my squad came through. The weather in Calgary was great. And uh, <laughs> as we were laughing, like Jonas Brodeen's, quasi 
empty netter on uh, Thursday night or Friday night ended up being the margin of victory for me in goals. So it was that close. I won by one, one goal, three assists, five shots. Um, and so like those, those are all pretty close. Uh, the other thing was that uh, Grubauer like laid an egg to start the week. Like, yeah, 786 save percentage against the Coyotes in that game. But then he turned it around and uh, was dynamite the rest of the week. So I would have to say it's his turn to read the weather in Calgary. He was my MVP this week. Yeah, and interesting when you look at the matchup page, he actually really carried the load for you. He he made every single one of your goalie starts. Drieger didn't um, start any games for Florida. And on the other side, um, Jordan picked up Bobrovsky, who – um, had, had decent numbers, I guess, better than Kudobin and, and won both of his starts to like those two wins were key in him tying the wins category with you. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of drama there. I was a little nervous seeing him being picked up and Bobrovsky had kind of put a get together some good starts. And then his first game for Jordan, he absolutely got lit up. So I was, uh, <laughs> pretty stoked about that. I mean, it, it, he's had worse starts this year for sure, but allowing five goals was, uh, pretty great outcome on my end. Yeah. Um, other things I noticed, I think, I don't think we've really um, shed light on him yet, but I think it's worth it to uh, give a shout out to Anze Kopitar just for the yeah. season he's having. He had another good week with a goal, three assists, three power play points. And I think he's just like really been consistent all year. And it's pretty wild that he's having the season he's having at his age and with the kind of line mates he has. Um, but with, uh, with those four points this week, he's in the top 10 in scoring in NHL, which is crazy to think about, uh, coming into the year and, and where he was drafted by, by Jordan. I think he was, a you know, fifth or sixth round pick or something, which is a total steal when you look at his rank. Yeah. I feel like I have to put him in the same category as Nicholas Backstrom, where it's like this guy who is good every single year and it's not flashy and, we, so he always gets slept on, and then whoever picks him up in the draft looks like a genius. So I have to give respect to to Jordan with all his plethora of early picks. Uh, he still managed to strike it rich, even in the mid-rounds. So, yeah, he's had a great season. And uh, with them playing Colorado a couple times, I watched a few of those games. and was definitely like, shit, <laughs> this guy's really good and, and still drives the play. Um, yeah. yeah. I think the other guy – I was going to say the other guy I would want to uh, give a shout out to is Neil Pionk on my roster, who actually was, I think, the fourth ranked player in fantasy this week um, and had a couple of big nights with like nine hits the one night and three assists the other night. Uh, he, he really gave me some good deep production across the board. And he's like, I was a little dubious about my decision to keep him <laughs> uh, earlier in this year, but now he's, he's really paying off. Yeah, interesting. Both teams with all the firepower they have with, you know, the Rantanins, McKinnons, Barkov, Svechnikov. Uh, both teams are actually led in points by defensemen with you with Pionk and Jordan with uh, Tyson Berry, who had a goal and yeah. five assists. But I think Pionk just adds that other element to his game with the hits. He actually had 18 hits this week, which is equal to Jordan's entire team's output. So, uh, yeah, very valuable piece you have in Pionk. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I think I've gloated over that win long enough, so <laughs> we can take it over <laughs> to uh, 
I think uh, another big matchup in the playoff race, and that was uh, Happy Toes Gang, Happy Toes Gang, sorry, and the Rubber Duckies. Uh, it was a five-four loss for Tim, five-four win for Daniel, I guess. And uh, I really feel like that was a missed opportunity for the Toes Gang uh, to get their. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna make a dumb pun, but nothing came out. Their toes wet in the playoff hunt. Their foot was in the door, but it shut on their toes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's way better. That's way better. Yeah. Um, but, but with the four matchup wins and uh, some of the teams around Tim struggling, he does keep the seventh place yeah. um, in the standings. And uh, kind of interesting look at Daniel's roster. He had some really standout performances like Palat, Ehlers, Wierenski, Marner. Um, they all had four points or more. Um, Pilot especially, man, I'm kicking myself for not grabbing him, but three power yeah. play points. And uh, Nick Ehlers continuing to get it done for Winnipeg. Even though he doesn't play up on the big line, he, it seems like he can really generate offense on his own. And Wrensky waking up for Columbus. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like it, as a, you know, rather jaded Columbus fan, I had <laughs> I had really, like, kind of given up on Wierenski, but now just looking at his player profile and that absolutely legendary stash and haircut combo, I think he's kind of found something that's working for him. He's put up points in in five straight games, I think. No, four straight games. And, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets might start rolling with him. I, I have to, too, um, you know, Credit to our, our guests that we've had on, and maybe if you've been following as a loyal listener, you wouldn't have been surprised to see Kyle acquire Sean Couturier from the Rubber Duckies earlier this week. Yes. Um, that was a move that he had uh, talked about making um, when we had him on. So um, nice to see him, you know, exit gracefully from the Rubber Duckies with four assists, two on the power play. Um, and I'm sure Kyle will be eager to have that kind of production on his his side yeah yeah he's a he's another player who's like i think he, he's kind of falls into the mark stone category for me where he's like kind of considered one of these top players in the nhl like great guy to have on your roster but doesn't always translate to fantasy but you look at the numbers he's been putting up lately and uh he's definitely starting to to generate some offense uh, that the flyers sorely need and uh you know he's gonna see if he can make an impact in some new scenery there. I guess also just on Columbus front, uh, Corpus Allo had a really good week um, with a sparkling start. And, you know, we saw shades of that last year. And uh, with with Tim owning the dynamic duo in net there, uh, maybe if Columbus can start rolling, uh, he had some good goalie numbers this week and maybe that can continue forward. Yeah, he was able to take both goals against and save percentage basically off the back of Corpusalo. And um, Daniel made the move to drop Pecorine after his poor start. Um, but, you know, Fleury's just been so good this year. And with Leonard Hurt, like, he's getting almost all the starts. So he got two wins for Daniel to give him the wins category. And uh, that uh, that was that fifth category win to give Daniel the edge in, in the matchup. Um, also just have to point out Jeff Petrie with three goals. Uh, he just continues to get it done. I, I don't understand how, but he's like the Habs leading scorer. And it's kind of crazy to think like he could be, I don't know, in the running for the Norris trophy this, this year. Like it's, it's wild. 
Yeah, and it's been like kind of I feel like his play has really take gone to a new level in the last couple of years and he's at he's past the point of doubting him. Like there's no asterisks right now. He's a top-tier defenseman and he's yeah, like he's got goals in six of four of his last six games. Five of his last seven, sorry. So he's just like that's great for any position let alone a defenseman. Um it would be really interesting to see him as the Norris Trophy winning defenseman in, in Montreal, they've had they've had their fair share, but I wouldn't have predict, predicted Petrie. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is all the takeaways I had from this matchup. Um, two two more goals from Drake Batherson today over Toronto to uh, to make the goals category close, but um, having uh, Renzi score again for Daniel today kind of helped him maintain that lead. Yeah. All right. Let's take it over to the final matchup of the week, which is uh, Sheik uh, <laughs> with seven. And then Chris, I'll let you talk about Peter Taylor's team. Yeah, sure. Uh, Peter Taylor had, had two matchup wins this week or two category wins this week. Um, and uh, he's kind of made it clear that he's looking to, to move some players. He's in the, the Scott camp of, of, of rebuilding at this point, I believe. But uh, the, the thing that I've, totally noticed was uh vladimir tarasenko i had kind of counted him out of his nhl career to be honest and he's played four games and he's got four points um and he's shooting the puck a lot and putting up big minutes you know he played 20 minutes the last two games so uh that's a pretty pretty sweet thing with uh peter was kind of lamenting the way his his top keeper had performed and names namesake being was he the 83rd best player of the week and that was his top player that that's that's pretty rough, and uh, I don't think reflects his roster. It's just he's just had a really bad streak of of busting out this this year. So uh, seeing Tarasenko put up those numbers, I think, has got to be encouraging. And we've all seen him be a top player in this league, so that's uh, that's a big silver lining for Peter. Yeah, I mean, Peter did say. I mean, this was earlier in the year, maybe when times were different, but he, he didn't have any intentions on rebuilding. So he's been making some trades and mainly play of player for player trades. I don't think I've seen any picks go his way. Um, but the one big move he made this week was trading away Seth Jones and just the way the trade, um, I guess, delay or whatever works is Jones was able to play this last game today for ha ha ho and had uh, Jones had an assist, four shots and nine blocks um, all in their uh, their loss to Dallas, but those nine blocks ended up being uh, pretty key as as Peter only won by eleven, and the four shots he only won by two. So um, it'll be interesting to see how his team shakes shakes out after Seth Jones. But he did bring in Jordan Stahl, who's been killing it for Carolina, and Charlie was kind of reaping his uh, his success there. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, as I said, it doesn't seem like Peter's uh, selling the farm by any means, but definitely seems eager to shake up the the key pieces. But uh, that's that's going to be a tough one to see go. A, a heck of a <laughs> a last last dance for Seth Jones with ha ha ho. Um, on the other hand, uh, another guy who I really noticed this week is because I watched a couple of their games uh, was Adrian Kempe. Like, man, he was good last year and i thought like who is this guy and like he had five goals this week uh for chic 
as if he didn't need another, he needed another goal scorer, but uh, he also was really driving to play uh, a fast player and a fun guy to watch. And he's ranked 75 on the season. Um, so just adding more firepower to a team that already has a crazy amount of it uh, is a bit scary. Yeah. Um, this is a, a good bounce back week for Sheik. And he, uh, he had a lot of really good offensive production led by Kempe, but also Taveras, Stone, Doughty, Kreider, Marshawn, all chipping in with uh, multiple points and uh, great goaltending from both Halak and Markstrom. Yeah. Um, P- Peter wasn't able to meet minimum goalie starts, but to be honest, I, I don't really think it mattered. Like it would have been really difficult to meet what uh, Sheik was, was putting up. No, definitely the best, the best goalie performance we saw this week, I believe. And, you know, that's with Tuka Rask day to day. So um <laughs> I think that's always the story when we look at David, David's roster. We're always like, crap. <laughs> like, not only did he do well, but he could have done a lot better. Um, so I think 14 goals, 21 assists, and 10 power play points are like all have got to be top, top four production on the league. Um, and, and 72 hits to go with it. Like, even that's, that's another thing. Like, I feel like some guys like Kyle rely on, on hanky panky with his 28 hits a week. But, but on, on the other hand, you see David put up 72 hits and like he has one guy with more than 10 hits in Pulak. Um, so yeah. a guy like Kreider uh, with nine hits as well as getting some points, like those are, and Shen too, like those are really key pieces there. Yeah. So definitely another interesting week in the justice league. Like I said, um, I feel like the playoff picture has got clear, but also murkier. I think there's a, a top six teams that are kind of emerging as um, playoff contenders. But then this um, this battle for the last two spots will be interesting to see how it shakes out. Like Peter Taylor with the 7-2 loss. Not a great week by his standards. I'm sure he would have hoped for more, but he still made up ground on Jordan and on Matt and some of these teams that right. are in the mix. So... It'll be interesting. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll have to see how this this next week plays out. But there may still be some uh, some playoff spots to be determined. Um, Chris, since we have this exclusive platform, and we're so late in the episode, we'll see who even makes it this far. But is there any moves that you want to make or uh, players that you have available? Uh, I think uh, I am in the market for for a power forward. I, I'm kind of wanting a little more goals and a little more hits. So if someone hits those categories, that's good for me. And then conversely, I think a, a shot blocking defenseman who doesn't just block shots. Obviously those are both things that are pretty valuable in our league, but that's uh, kind of, kind of the piece I think that my roster needs. Um, and on the other side, I think the only untouchable on my team is, is McKinnon, to be honest, I would say I'm, I'm open to moving Barkov um, cause I'm not eager to keep two centers but uh, I'm not afraid to make a big splash. So I'd say, you know, send me your offers. At least the worst I can say is no. I could probably say worse things, but I won't. <laughs> what about you, Pete? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way my team is, has uh, performed, but I think the one move that I'd like to make is maybe more a player-for-player player deal. I'm happy with Couture, Kane, and Burns all playing for San Jose, but I'd rather not have three San Jose Sharks just in case they have an off week or if anything 
you know, knock on wood happens with COVID. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck yeah. with three guys that are too good to drop, but aren't producing for me. So any kind of um, equivalent, you know, whether it's a position for position, like Burns for an equivalent defenseman, I'm, I'm open to that. Um, again, not because I am upset with them. Even Kane, Kane's been actually really, really good for me, but uh, just some, something that helps as, as Scott was saying, you know, kind of spread your exposure to multiple teams rather than being all in on one. So I think that's the, the one move I'd, I'd really like to make. And, you know, as I see some of the other teams load up, I may have to loosen my grip on some of my draft picks and uh, start chatting with some of the selling teams to fill out some holes in my lineup. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll have more to report on next week. We'll see, man. Uh, well, thanks to everyone who tuned in and, and you know, made it this far in. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. We had a blast talking to Scott and doing our weekly weekly recaps. Um, so, yeah, it's it's getting down to the crunch. If you're a, a buyer, get buyer, buying. If you're a seller, get selling. And uh, good luck in your matchup this week. Keep your stick on the ice and tune into WrestleMania for all your handy fantasy tips. All right. Take care, you guys. Good luck in your matchups.